0: you're listening to the main course where food is serious business listen along for insights strategies forecasts and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host barbara castiglia
1: welcome to the main course today we're going to be talking about one of the most intriguing and newsworthy Issues in the restaurant industry over the past year, more than that, robotics and automation and introducing that into food service area. And we're gonna be talking with Buck Jordan, who's the president and chairman of one of the leaders in this and Miso Robotics. Welcome. As everybody knows, you're I guess the father of Flippy in a way.
0: <laughs> My boy. <laughs>
1: So I guess what got you interested in machine learning and robots and then connecting them with the food industry?
0: Well, so, so prior to this, um, I'm, well, so I, I, and I currently am also a partner at Wavemaker. Um, so Wavemaker is a global venture fund, um, dual headquartered in Singapore, and Los Angeles. And we do a lot of really early stage deep tech investing deep tech being AI robotics, computer vision, that sort of thing. And so in 2016, uh, I sat down with, with, with my good friend, uh, well, who's not my good friend, John Miller. Um, he runs Cali Burger. It's a medium-sized burger chain. Think California lifestyle burgers exported to the world. Um, and I was kind of going through, you know, w- w- what are his problems? And, and, and they're kind of indicative of like, the entire industry. He said, well, first of all, labor is like 35% of my top line. And so it's my biggest cost driver. And second of all, um, aside from costs, you know, these millennials that he hires quit every six to nine months. So they need to be rehired, retrained. And so quality suffers during the whole process. And then God forbid E. coli happens. My, my entire business becomes Chipotle. So he's like, labor is my biggest problem. And he, he views himself as more of a staff training organization than a burger joint. Um, and so, so taking that problem set and knowing that, you know, for me, every, every great investment starts with a good, a really strong problem. Um, you know, and, you know, i I'd seen robotics and AI happening, you know, all across the world in different industries. And, you know, finally, for the first time ever, because of a dramatic cost, or, you know, reduction of cost of robotics and increase in quality of computer vision, um, I knew that automation could, could be applied to low skilled wage industries. And there's no industry that's under siege more than the restaurant industry. And
1: so that's how it all started. So why did you name the firm Miso? Does that have any particular meaning to you?
0: It's got a couple meanings, um, you know. So, so, so the tongue-in-cheek meeting is, meaning is uh, miso stands for machine invented to slice onions. Um, and so, you know, what, what what that means is that you know, when you when you slice onions, you cry. Nobody likes to slice onions. And um, you know, we're here to do the jobs that uh, chefs in the kitchen don't want to do, and you know, to work with them uh, in a cobotic arrangement. Um, the other meaning that's a little more serious and probably too highbrow is um, it's short for the French cooking term, mise en place, which means everything in its place, which in itself is a very robotic, um, automation focused, uh, way to approach cooking.
1: So talk about Flippy, um, for people who may not be familiar with it. Um, so what was the process of constructing Flippy and what are all the things that Flippy can do?
0: So, um, I'll, I'll kind of start from the beginning and get into the evolution of it. And i I think I'll answer those questions along the way. Um, so, you know, Pretty uniquely, you know, Robotics was started with a with a food operator as a partner, you know, with Caliberter. Um And you know, as, as you can imagine, a lot of technologists, you know, will will you know who, who want to tackle problems. They don't always have good good contact with customers, and so they spend nine months in their basement uh, or in, in their garage, you know, making making a solution. They finally fight their way in front of a customer and they say, "Hey, this is like forty percent wrong." And so we had um, we had operator you know advice all along the way. And so so a good example of this is you know, we initially started tackling the grill um, because Cali Burger is a burger joint. And, um, you know, and and so basically two months into our our, our inception, um, we're, you know, we, we announced to our investors in the Cali Burger, we're finally ready to, to flip our first burger. Um, we all cram into this tiny little garage that we'd rented. And, um, you know, Miso grabs a burger, flips it, crowd goes wild. Um, but but John is not not super enthusiastic. Um, so I, I kind of walk over, I'm like, hey, John, so what, you know, what what do you think? And he's like, well, really cool, um, but you know, this this uh, gripper that you designed um, is never going to be food safe. You know, so so in other words, we you know we being a bunch of Caltech engineers, we decided to reinvent the spatula, which of course nobody asked us to do that. Um, and so we we made this double-sided clamshell spatula with springs. It was never going to be food safe, right? Um, and so once we realized we couldn't we couldn't do that, we um, we then uh, you know put a regular spatula on, and we quickly realized that um, we needed to get a faster robotic arm to be able to probably flip a burger, um, which which meant that we had to throw out two months of our code. Um, but if we if we hadn't had you know constant in, uh, input from a food operator, we probably would have gone nine months without without figuring that out. So all along the way, that was really useful. Um, I'll wrap it up. So we started on the grill. And then we moved on to the fryer because we realized that the fryer actually provides a lot more value and it's a highly, you know, repeatable job that a lot of chefs don't want to do. Um, and our initial uh, form factor was a cart. Um, so it was a cart-based system. You could roll in front of the workstation, roll out for cleaning, um, and it would operate the system. And so, you know, but we realized that um, if we want to really get to scale and we want to break into quick serve restaurants, we need to get out of the aisle way and we need to really make this thing affordable. Um, and so that's why we, we have, have now currently um, mounted the system upside down on a our, on our rail uh, to give the robot mobility, but also to allow it to, you know, mobility to reach a lot of different places in the kitchen, but also to allow it to get out of the aisle way, uh, which is really important for quick serve restaurants.
1: And that's your latest product, the Flippy Roar robot on a rail. Um, so how how did that evolve into that um, and obviously now you're uh, another partner that you have is white castle um, so how are you working with them uh, with this particular product
0: yeah um, you know so so, so it evolved in, into the rail because you know we determined that quick serve restaurants was was the market to break into um, before going to other other areas of the food of the food industry um, you know so so there's a couple things that we had to do to to make this product work um, you know, Flippy is really um, a combination of computer vision, AI, and robotics. It's a highly advanced, you know, cocktail of of cool tech, basically. Um, and so, so our computer vision, we we train it to such a degree that we can we can identify virtually any food item across the workstation. So, whereas the back of house of kitchens um, is a black hole of data, typically, you know, we we got a great quote from one of our customers. They said, um, "Their data stops at the walk-in freezer." And they pick it up at the POS, and they don't know what happens in between. You know, now, like because of our computer vision, we see every single item. We can count all the nuggets, for instance, right? Um, and and so so um, we can currently train uh, and identify nineteen different different food items and, and cook them. And we can train new items fairly quickly, about half an hour of human time, which is a pretty big revolution. Um, and then, uh, you know, we also do some do some next level kind of AI to bring that into the kitchen to do kitchen coordination. Um, so for example, if you come into a, a burger joint, you order burgers and fries and the burger lines backed up by 10 minutes and the fry lines back, you know, it is free. What happens today is like the team member will typically drop the fries, cook for three minutes, sit under a heat lamp for seven, waiting for your, your burger to be ready. Uh, but now Flippy knows that, um, not to drop the fries now, drop it at minute seven. So it all comes off hot, fresh off the line from day one. And then we're going a step further and integrating this with um, delivery apps because we all live in this delivery-heavy world where we get we're getting all of our food after it's only after it's ridden in the passenger side of an Uber for 15 minutes. So it better not be sitting in the in the kitchen for 10 minutes on you know cooling off. Um, so so Flipi is able to un- pipe into the the delivery drivers know that they're 10 minutes away and know how long it's going to take to cook the meal and then fire the meal at the appropriate moment so that it's done packaged uh, you know hopefully seconds before. The delivery driver gets it.
1: So, helping with that elusive soggy fries issue that uh, a lot of people have with delivery.
0: Fries don't travel well.
1: No, no. Um, it's obvious to kind of see why QSRs make sense um, for automation. Um, but do you see automation helping out independent restaurants as well?
0: I absolutely do, and and, and this is a this is a big. Um, uh, Focus area on our product roadmap. Um, you know, so initially we, we need to we need to nail quick serve restaurants, and you know we, we of course chose quick serve restaurants for a lot of obvious reasons. But the food is highly repeatable. It's meant to be highly consistent. It's essentially prepared the exact same way every single time, and that's a great place for automation to start. But we um, we do believe that we can quickly move into fast casual and even some fine dining restaurants. Um, and you know we're going to be announcing a more fine dining restaurant that we're we'll partner with um, soon. I hope. Um, you know, but but one of the reasons why why we're focused on being able to make uh, make our food programmable by the end user, um, you know, in other words, like train a train a new food item in you know thirty minutes or less, is because we want to be able to make it av- available to mom and pop restaurants in the future, and have so, them set it up themselves.
1: So you've discussed a little bit with Cali Burger um, about how automation is you know, kind of solving their labor and efficiency issues. Um, but maybe you can detail a little bit about how that is, you know, and off the top of my head, particularly with using Flippy for um, you know, for a fries, you're also into the food safety area and employee safety area as well.
0: Oh yeah. Um I mean so 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 we've um we've gone ahead and had a couple of partnerships with um with people who can increase food safety significantly. I mean first of all, by not having humans touch your food, there's a natural kind of Increase in food safety, especially in this uh, pandemic um, era. Um, but we've we partnered with PathSpot. So PathSpot is a really cool company that um, can tell if an employee has washed his hands with a you know basically half a second of putting it under a camera. These your green or red light. Um, guess what? It's mostly red. You should go rewash your hands. Um, and so we, we want to make sure that employees are sanitary when they deal with uh, at least our robot. And then uh, Pop ID is a really cool company that um, does temperature testing. Um, so, and door entry, and also even payments for quick serve restaurants by face, getting around the the uh, credit card payment processing s- system. But but they'll basically do quick um, quick uh, quick temperature scans to make sure that someone doesn't have a fever when they come into work that day. Because you know, there, and and this is a really interesting uh, thing you're thread you're pulling on. There is a shift in consumer preference towards low touch establishments, and we'll see how that plays out.
1: I mean, definitely that that's the case that, um, you know, we, we saw through the pandemic that, um, I guess issues that were happening before and things that guests were interested in all of a sudden they're very interested in, and that became necessities. Um, you know, and what, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, that you're working toward and is kind of the evolution of, of all this automation and, and robotics um, and, you know, the price points, the price point, you know, people used to think, Oh, this is w- not going to be affordable, but the price has come down over the past few years. So can you talk to to that a little bit about how, um, you know, how that evolution is making it more of an attractive option for restaurants?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is critical, uh, making this affordable for restaurants because restaurants, they don't have a lot of money. They're operating on single digit profit margins, if at all, oftentimes. And to ask them to spend, uh, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars on an advanced AI system, um, even if it does pencil out over the course of X months, um, is it, a hard sell, right? And and if and if you sell a major franchise brand at, at the corporate level, you've then got to go do a second sale at every single one of the franchisees, and you know some of them are billion dollar organizations, but many of them are small businesses, and so asking for that kind of check is tough. And so, so we're um, right now our unit cost um, to build for us costs about $35,000. We think that um, there's a pretty straight line for us to get to 20 uh, by mid next year. We're actually shooting for 15, but that's gonna be more of a challenge. And so we think that right now we're, we're able to um, offer the system away for, system for free and just charge a monthly SaaS. So instant ROI for for operators. And, and that to us is, is, the, is the path to scale and to make this thing work in the market.
1: So you know, you're partner now, Caliberger, White Castle, how did you choose to partner with them? Um, you know, why were, why were those strategic choices and um, what do you look for in a partner?
0: Well, so, so both of those organizations are highly uh, tech forward organizations and innovative innovative groups. Um, you know, White Castle particularly has, has been, um, many people don't, don't realize this, but they've been leading a lot of the innovation in the food, food service industry. I mean, first of all, they were, the, they were the very first quick serve restaurant in 1921. So that's, that's really fun, almost 100 years ago. Um, you know, but they were the first to embrace, uh, the impossible Burger. the first to embrace, uh, online web ordering the first have a website, even, um, the first to, uh, uh, and, you know, now the first to have a fully autonomous, um, you know, fry guy at the, uh, in, in the kitchen. And so, so they're a very forward looking, looking company. Um, and so they're just, it's just a pleasure to work with. And, um, and also they, you know, they, they've got big, you know, good amount of scale. They got, you know, roughly 400, 400 locations. And that's a perfect scale for for Flippy to, to roll out in. Um, so love, working with them. Um, you know, but like ideal customer, I think, uh, you know, we're looking for someone who has high frying volume, um, you know, because quite naturally the more, more work that is being done by the fryer, the higher value our system has to you. Right. You know, if you're, if you're operating a, uh, you know, a wing stop or something like that, you know, we can automate a significant portion of labor in the back of house um, versus if you're operating something where there's only like a little bit of fried items, you know, it's less value. So that's how we kind of parse customers.
1: How has the pandemic affected me? So are you seeing a lot more interest, um, from brands, um, in working with you in learning more about it and, and how it can help them, uh, you know, with their labor issues and their efficiency issues?
0: You know, we 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 were in contact with just about every every brand prior to the pandemic, um, you know, because because pre-pandemic there was a there was a massive issue, you know, that w- and that was quite simply, people were worried about keeping their doors open in the future. So and, and and this is not a cost driver. This is this is really there's no labor in the system. So right now we're missing almost a million people from the U.S. quick serve restaurant workforce, and because of an explosion of delivery and shifting demographics in the eighteen twenty four year old workforce we're actually gonna be missing almost 4 million people from the workforce over the next 10 years. And so if you're a brand that's at all thinking about, you know, doesn't have your head in the sand and is thinking about the future, there's no way that you can actually keep your doors open consistently without embracing automation. We think automation is is mandatory, not a choice moving forward. You know, right now there's a there's the labor crisis, but it's gonna be a real problem moving forward. And so, but once the pandemic hit, you know, obviously everyone froze in March, what's happening to our business. And of course, you know, every customer stopped returning our phone calls, uh, which is natural, right? But then, you know, end of March, early April, um, our phones started exploding um, because because not only was there the labor issue that was existing before, but now we have a whole new host of challenges. Now we need to social distance in kitchens, which is completely impossible. A lot of these kitchens are like 200 square feet. They're not designed to be social distance. So you really can't work safely in this new COVID environment. Um, Additionally, there's a there's a there's a. Already, you know, having being in a labor constrained environment, there's a significant increase of demand for front of house employees. So right now, there's an increase of front of house for um, drive through delivering pickup, as you might imagine, to service that area. But also, um, there's an increased cleaning regime. So people are cleaning every 15, 15 minutes sometimes in a lot of these restaurants. And so there's a shift from back of house to front of house that is that there's not enough labor for. Um and then there there is this shift in consumer preferences towards low touch establishments. There's a subset of consumers out there that just stopped going out to eat. Um, and you know a, a lot of a lot of big brands think that if they were able to produce a touchless uh, food item that uh, they're gonna start gathering, you know garnering you know not just cutting costs but growing top line.
1: Um, one of the things um, we did last year was uh, predictions for 2020. Um, and I went back and, and saw what you had given us. Um, and you know, a lot of the predictions, you know, we didn't know about the pandemic and all of that, but you clearly said that, you know, 2020 was going to be a significant year for restaurants and technology. And that has definitely proven to be the case, um, you know, with people relying so much more on, on technology, you know, the return of the QR codes, um, but there has been a hesitancy to robotics, um, maybe because uh, you know they take away from hospitality or they'll take jobs. Um, but do you think because people are really realizing that technology is a is a savior and a and a solution, um, that that attitude is going to change?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I can tell you that that there's certainly like a public perception but then you know if you go into the corporations they're very laser focused on this and they, they are not squeamish about robotics um, you know they're, they they're they're per, they're conscious of public perception on robotics um, you know but we're really um, we're really seeing seeing these seeing these big brands you know they, they realize there's a problem they know they have some time to solve it um, and and they're 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 focused on labor displacement, not not labor replacement um, you know, for example, White Castle is is not firing anybody, they're just moving the people to front of house or the drive through where they can increase speed of service or create those memorable moments that they're really known for as a brand. And that's pretty universal across most of the brands we're talking to. They're just looking for a little bit of relief because they're, they're constantly um, opening up, uh, opening restaurants for business, missing one or two crew members. And, you know, speed of service is suffering, quality is suffering uh, because of the lack of labor. And so... I, I don't think that, that there's any real squeamishness from the corporate um, brands to embrace automation. They're just looking for something that makes sense from an ROI
1: perspective. You're talking about public perception. Um, and, you know, one of the things you're doing is letting the public in. You know, you're um, choosing to let them invest in your company. Um, why did you choose that as a, as a financing round?
0: Well, because, I mean, you know, personally, I, I, I think that this is a revolution in finance. You know, so I, I come from a venture capital background. I know I know how that world works. And basically, if you are part of the 1% and you also happen to live in L.A., New York, or SF and happen to know a, a fund manager, you can actually participate in the highest performing asset class, and that is venture capital, right? But that's, uh, you know, so undem- undemocratic. And, and and there's this new um, movement out there called crowdfunding. And it's finally, for the first time ever, starting to produce real volume of capital, um, you know, so Miso is probably going to close, uh, you know, between 20 and $30 million on November 20th, just coming up in a, in a few days. Um, so please invest. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but, um, you know, this is, this is really, and, and, you know, so, so, so also, you know, we've, we've, we've found ourselves that, you know, Miso is, is a highly relatable, um, product for, the, for consumers. And you know, people actually love Misa. We've had over 13 billion media impressions across all of our uh, stories and videos and all that stuff. Um, and so the public is, is infatuated with robots, they're infatuated with, um, with, uh, with food, and, and it's, it's a pretty simple story to put those two things together. And so we're seeing significant amount of success um, with crowdfunding. And so for us, it was a, uh, it's been a great, great experience.
1: And the, medium, uh, the minimum buy-in is a little over $1,400 or so at this point? Yeah,
0: basically, you know, call it 1500 bucks and, and uh, you can be part of the ride. And, um, you know, we will um, – there's no guarantees, right? But we will work our butt off to make um, a good return for everyone.
1: So, you know, Flippy, as you were kind of getting to, is very – media forward and media friendly, um, you know, the name itself, um, and, and yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's cool to look at. Um, so do you envision that there's going to be other products that are, are going to be Flippy's family in a way? Um, and how does, how do you see all this as kind of affecting, um, the, the restaurant kitchen design of the future?
0: Well, those are those are some good questions. I mean, and so so Miso is a platform, and the applications on the platform are workstations. You know, so we knock out the fryer and the grill, and humans are working with us in other areas, right? But but as time goes forward, Miso will will add other applications to to its repertoire. Um, you know, uh, assembly, for instance, of burgers. Um, you know, pressure frying, prep, other areas, and so. And so we think that that's going to be going to be providing increasingly a lot more value and ROI out of the same robot. Cause the way we've designed our system is one robot can do all of those tasks, which is really special and unique compared to everybody else. Um, but you're right. I mean like the, the, the future of kitchens is, is going to change. Um, you know, we're, we're able to quickly, we're able to adapt to existing kitchens, but you know, the highly optimized, um, system in the future is probably more like an, like, you know, a, a kitchen laid out in the line, um, where, where it goes left to right. And, uh, you know, one robot on a rail can service all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, but if you're looking for, like, the future, what we think the future of kitchens is going to be in general, like not not with a MISO lens on, um, I think that over the next two years, you're going to see an explosion of, del- of um, high-quality kiosks. You know, think about um, express menu, fully autonomous, um, you know, in, like, a vending machine format, but high-quality food. And then I think over the next five to seven years, you're going to see companies like MISO, although we're the only ones that I'm aware of today, um, you know, coming in and working with humans in the kitchen and taking out, you know, workstations. But then I think year five to seven, you're going to see a lot of new build kitchens be completely exploded um, and fully autonomous and, you know, probably 25% of the square footage um, of what it is
1: today. So do you think this kind of dovetails with the virtual kitchen, ghost kitchens that we're seeing kind of take predominance right now?
0: um it it dovetails quite nicely because you know ghost kitchens are really i think the the first place where automation is going to be heavily heavily um, embraced and that's because you know it's a brand new kitchen um there's there's not a lot of like kind of legacy issues with fitting into um you know pre-built kitchens and so so i think and and also there's there's this really interesting thing you can do um with ghost kitchens when you have a brand that owns multiple brands you know it's like like um well i don't want to name names but like but but if you um, if you own like three, four or five brands and you're in dark kitchen, um, you know, all of a sudden you don't need to have three, four or five different sets of fryers. You can just have one set of fryer. And so Flippy can essentially like, you know, centralize the frying for all sorts of operations and really get significant ROI of our system.
1: So I guess putting that looking glass on, you know, you did a little bit. Um, what excites you? about the restaurant industry of the future, um, you know, particularly, you know, with your expertise in AI integration and robotics? What, you know, what is it, you know, moving forward that that really gets you excited and, and you're passionate about?
0: I I think that that operators days in the future is going to be great. Um, you know, we are like, I, I, I see a lot of technology on the horizon that are going to they're gonna move the the profit margin for the for these operators away from the single digit EBITDA margins into double digit, um, you know, uh, double digit margins. You know, so 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 I think that like the profitability of the entire sector is gonna be going up. At the same time, I think the quality, speed of service, and customization is gonna go up too because there's this whole Mick Cafe movement where where um, a lot of quick serve restaurants are trying to elevate their quality. But the problem is that you know you're you're still dealing with um, uh, a very kind of constrained environment where uh, it's got to be like the like speed of service is, is essential, and we don't offer a lot of customization because that slows down the speed of service. And so, so we think that there's a world of you know, not only higher margin for businesses, but also um, a world of um, you know mass customization and higher quality for consumers.
1: Thank you so much. This has been great.
0: Great.